Thank you, Barbara. And please do keep your Bible open. You'll certainly find it useful uh, for the next few minutes as I speak to you. I should introduce myself, of course, um, for those of you who may not know me. My name is Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Young, and I have the uh, rather old title of being called a lay reader, which basically means the Bishop of Rochester is happy for me to stand here and lead services and to uh, preach to you. But enough about me. We want to get on and look at the Bible, and therefore it would be good that we pray before we start. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do indeed thank you for speaking to us through the words of the Bible. So as we open this book this morning, help us please to understand what we are reading and help us to put it into practice. Amen. Amen. Well, I've uh, started to read the autobiography of Bear Grylls. Here it is. I don't know whether you've seen it, whether you might have even read it. It's entitled Mud, Sweat and Tears. I'll put that down now. Uh, Bear Grylls, as um, I'm sure most of you will know, because uh, he's quite famous on television quite a lot, he's an ex-SAS soldier. And he's especially known as a survival expert. He's famous for doing uh, quite dangerous things, scaling cliffs, jumping from helicopters, ice climbing, running through a forest fire, wading through water rapids. He will, if necessary, eat snakes uh, for breakfast and wrestle alligators. So if you're going to get shipwrecked somewhere on an isolated island, he is without doubt the best person to help you survive. Now, thankfully, whilst life can be very, very difficult for us at times, it is unlikely that we will be forced to wrestle alligators each and every day or have to abseil down rock faces just to go and get our newspaper in the morning. Well, the letter to the Hebrews can also be described as a survival guide, the Christian survival guide. It warns of dangers facing the believer. It directs us how to overcome, how to keep running the Christian race right to the end. This letter is written to a group of believers who appear to have come from a Jewish background and they're people who faced persecution. They had pressure to return back to their roots, to go back to the ways of conforming to rules and regulations and living under the law. And so Hebrews speaks throughout that following Christ is better than those old ways of following the law. The letter explains that Christ is indeed the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises. So why go back? Well, it's nonsense, isn't it? There were also dangers of drifting away in their faith, and therefore the Christian is encouraged to pay attention to Christ at all times. They are encouraged also to keep meeting together with fellow believers, to encourage one another. And to keep going, there's many examples are given in this great chapter 11 of uh, Hebrews. It's a chapter full of stories of many older heroes, spiritual real heavyweights who did 
survive, who all lived by faith as they saw the bigger picture of what was happening to them. They all knew that something better was at the end of the road, a reward for those who lived by faith. And so we have a chorus. Did you notice it throughout that chapter? A chorus that it was by faith, by faith, by, by faith, that each of these heroes lived. Now faith, of course, right at the beginning of the chapter, it's described in verse 1 as being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I'll repeat that. It's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is living now on the basis of something ahead, which is real and solid, even though we can't see it. And for these, these examples in chapter 11, their faith enabled them to hold on tightly to that lifeboat, to survive, to keep their faith as they rode through the storms they faced. And according to verse 39, all these people were what? At the end of the day, they were commended for their faith. Commended for their faith. Well, if you do have your Bible open, and I really do suggest you do, if you noticed, we began at verse 23. And verse 23, in the next few verses, they tell us of the story of Moses. But did you notice verse 23, interestingly, actually begins with the faith of his parents. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. If you know the background story to that, uh, Moses was born whilst God's people were in captivity in Egypt. And at a certain stage, the reigning pharaoh He'd given an order, he'd given that edict to say that all male children born to these slaves from Israel, all of them were to be put to death. And therefore it did take faith. It took courage for his parents when they first saw their child to hide him, hide him for three months. That verse suggests that they saw he was no ordinary child. So they hid him, didn't they, amongst the bulrushes on the Nile. And then the story is that he's found by Pharaoh's daughter, who takes him and brings him up as her own child. And somehow, whilst he's being brought up in the household uh, of that royal family, it's his own mother who becomes his nurse, his nanny, to teach him things of where he truly comes from. And then we come into Moses in verse 24, who refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter when he grew up. Instead, verse 25 says, he chose to be ill-treated amongst the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures and wealth all around him. Now, have you ever been up to the British Museum? Have you seen the treasures of Egypt they've got there? Now, I did Google it, but apparently they've got 50,000 different Egyptian artefacts there in the British Museum. 50,000. How much are they worth? 
and then add together how much is else is around the world from Egypt. These are the treasures. These are the type of treasures that could easily have belonged to Moses if he had stayed in Egypt, if he'd stayed in that royal family, if he'd continued to accept everything he was being given. Yet, he knew that all that treasure was just fleeting pleasures of sin, that they would only be around him for a short period of time. Instead, we're being told for the sake of Christ, he regarded disgrace as greater value than all those treasures of Egypt. Moses looked forward to the reward which was ahead for all of those who lived by faith. Moses persevered because he saw him who is invisible. And by faith, Moses led God's people out of captivity. And according to verse 28, in the years to come, by faith, Moses kept the Passover, remembering that great night when, after devastating plagues upon Egypt, God's people were finally able to escape their captivity. Now, one of the commentaries I read about this passage reminded me of another example of another young man who came from a wealthy family in Italy. His father was well respected, and everybody expected the son to follow in his father's footsteps to become, uh, to join him in his profession and to attain much wealth and noble standing in the community. But that young man had nothing to do with it. He was gripped instead by a passion for God. He devoted himself to a life of prayer and preaching and helping the poor. Now that young man, that young example given in that commentary, this man came from a town called Assisi. And he later became known as St. Francis of Assisi. His example of faith was an inspiration to many people. And this is way, way back ago. 1100, I think it is something. And he was the founder of an order which still exists today. And throughout history, I could have given you other examples of people who have left riches behind so that they can show their faith. Yet history is also full of a world that tells us that wealth and standing is everything. It's everything we must have. We must acquire all we can to enjoy the pleasures of this world. How can the Christian survive today? How do we live with these pressures all around to conform and to join in with that rat race? Well, we need to, to live by faith to see that the things of this world are only temporary and that an eternity with Jesus is of far greater value. Some examples of the faith of God's people are then described in verses uh, 29 to 31 where we read of the people having passed through the dry land but when the Egyptians try to, to do so, they're all drowned. Verse 30 speaks of that wonderful story of how the city of Jericho fell. It's a great story, isn't it? It's one we love telling the kids or having them act out, isn't it? Of the way in which people march round and round for seven days around that city. And then on that last day, they blow their trumpets, making a loud noise. And what happens? The walls of that city just come tumbling down. 
In fact, there are just so many stories to recount from the Old Testament, far too many to mention them now. And in fact, the writer to the, to the, le- uh, to the Hebrews actually does so himself, doesn't he? Uh, he or she, sorry, I should say. Uh, verse 32, what more can I say? So the writer just names them and speaks of their acts of faith. And these people are mentioned as uh, people who've conquered kingdoms and perhaps like a, a prototype of Bear Grylls, they've, they've shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of flames, escaped the edge of the sword. And as they acted in faith, many endured, in verse 36, jeers, flogging, chained, put to death. Some were stoned, sawn in two, otherwise went around destitute and, pr- and persecuted, living in caves and holes in the ground. They were all examples of those who lived by faith to the end. Those who were able to focus on the reward that awaits God's people. So there they are, by verse 39 again. Verse 39, they were all commended for their faith. Yet, yet none of them received what had been promised. Interesting little second half of that verse, isn't it? You see, they all lived by faith, but they all lived, of course, before Jesus did. It's almost as if they... They ran the race, they got to the finishing line, but they couldn't somehow cross. The way was shut until Jesus came and opened the door to heaven. It was only through Jesus' death on the cross which paid the true price for their sin and our sin. It was only through Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven which leads the way for others to follow. So do you now realize that our faith, those of us living in the 21st century, can actually be based on something firmer than it was for all those Old Testament heroes? You see, our faith is based on the greatest hero of the Bible, the Lord Jesus. We can see him as we go through life. These heroes couldn't. And verse 1, verse 1 of chapter 12 speaks of a great cloud of witnesses, these people all around us as we run the good race. This crowd are those who have gone before us, who have finished the race and have entered uh, a place with Jesus, and they now encourage us to keep going. So chapter 11, it is a list of examples who are commended for their faith, a long list of great Old Testament heroes, people who through faith kept going, through their lives, through all the trials and temptations they faced. Yet none of them really experienced life on earth, either with Jesus, like the disciples did, or post-Jesus, after Jesus had ascended and the Holy Spirit has come down. And this, of course, is how we now live. And as as it's described as God's better plan for us. So how do we survive the Christian life. For those verses speak of us uh, needing to throw away all that hinders us, any heavy weights that are slowing us down. We're to realize, secondly, that the, the race is a long haul. 
It requires patience and endurance. We need that word perseverance. Perseverance, which means we need to run with dedication, diligence, and stamina. And thirdly, and almost more importantly, we need to keep our eyes fixed on the one who stands in the centre of that cloud, who sits on his throne next to, Jesus, next, to, next to God, the one who's waiting there to greet us. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Before my knee packed up, I did used to jog the streets of Sidcup and Bexley, and my favourite song whenever I used to run in those sort of places was the one from Christian Camps from my, from my long and distant past. When the road is rough and steep, fix your eyes upon Jesus. He alone has power to keep. Fix your eyes upon him. Of course, we should always fix our eyes upon Jesus, not just when the road is rough and steep, but at all other times as well. You see, Jesus has already run the course before us. He has experienced the pain, the sufferings, but he himself kept going. Jesus has made it across the finishing line. He sits down next to God, interceding for us, encouraging us along the way. And that thought should keep, of, of him welcoming us at the end, should really be the motivation we need to help us continue in faith and patience. Of course, along his own race, Jesus endured the torture of crucifixion which was a degrading and disgusting death. But now he holds the key position of honour at God's right hand. Well, this letter to the Hebrews was written to encourage readers to keep going through the dangers so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. If you want a survival guide for being in the jungle, perhaps read through that. But if you want a survival guide for going through the Christian life, may I suggest you read this one. Each and every day we are facing threats of persecution, intimidation, mockery, and today it's just the same for God's people, isn't it? The spiritual road is certainly rough and steep, and then throw in a pandemic as well. Brothers and sisters, we must just keep on going forward. Just keep going. We must look at Jesus to remind us continually of the one who has blazed the trail in the first place. We do have great examples to help us along. But as I said, whilst Bear Grylls might tell you how to survive the jungle, it is the Bible which tells us how to survive the greatest challenges we face in our Christian lives. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus one of the translations puts it, start running and never quit. Keep your eyes on Jesus who has begun and finished the race we're in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus into the world. Thank you, Jesus, for running the race you were given. Thank you that we can always look to you for encouragement. Thank you for all those men and women of faith who were themselves examples for us. When we are tired, 
and the road is rough and steep. Help us, please, to fix our eyes upon Jesus, to keep going to the end.